Wednesday night edition of the pod. Big news. My wife and I are trying to make Detroit-style pizza for the first time. <laughs> that's uh, that's about all I've got here in my personal life. Is that uh, your tribute to Dan Feldman? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll be putting cheese on it, uh, however. Uh, oh, no. But it, it was nice of Dan uh, in the, uh, the pre-coronavirus days to take us to a really good Detroit-style pizza place in Chicago, despite uh, his loathing of, uh, of melted cheese. But today we are going to talk about the Southeast Division. Danny came up with this idea of doing, a, as he calls them, battle plans uh, for each division. We're not necessarily going to go really in-depth as far as, oh, here's who they should sign, etc., etc. But it's more sort of a two- or three-year look into, if we were in charge of these teams, what our overall goals and strategy would be and so before we get started with that though i want to remind you that the covid daily news is now on its own feed this is the first day we're not having it on dugton so if you want to check it out there just search nate duncan in your podcast player it should come up as uh, the other podcasts uh, that i'm publishing or covid daily news should show up there as well getting a lot of really wonderful reviews uh, on that if you haven't listened to it yet understand totally if it's not your thing but uh hopefully that can give you a chance to just spend about a half hour listening to covid news and feel like you're up to date and then you can go about the rest of your day without having to obsess uh, about what's going on so danny uh you're driving this boat here who do you want to start with let's start with the atlanta hawks i think they're they're a young team that's worthwhile to to kind of clarify and and for those who listened to the first one and for those who didn't this is i like to focus this more on identifying a core and then what fits around it i think that's a healthy way when going through the immediate of thinking about team building and for the hawks i kind of have it in different tiers my tier one is just trey young i think that he is the only the only player on the hawks that for quality and age and all that purposes I fully expect to be there. And then there are a bunch of players who could be, but aren't definitively a part of it. That would, for me, include John Collins, Clay Capello, who they traded for, Kevin Herter, Reddish, and and DeAndre Hunter, who they drafted in 2019. And that clarification, I think, is is kind of a good place to start. Obviously, we know Trey Young's in there, and and we'll talk about how you have to build around Trey Young. But the who the other pieces are and how committed you are to them is one of the biggest challenges that Travis Schlenk has. Well, with John Collins coming up this year for an extension in particular, we've talked many times about his problems of fit. Is he a power forward? Is he a center? I thought his three-point shooting took some steps forward this year, to be sure. He had some really nice games after, of course, the 25-game suspension. Didn't seem, though, like that stalled his momentum too much. But you wonder whether, of course, he can defend the center position well enough. They have now made, and I guess the Hawks don't wonder anymore because they've made the decision to grab Clint Capella. They also have Dwayne Dedman. So it looks like Collins will be playing most of his time now at power forward. Dedman can shoot a little bit. Capella absolutely cannot. And you know, they made this trade for Capella. It doesn't necessarily have to be that Capella is going to be there. He's got two years left on his contract. Or no, I'm sorry, three years left on his contract with this one, right? Because there's a five-year deal he signed in Houston. Yeah, three years. 16 million, 17, one, 18, two after this season yeah and so i i like your way of looking at it uh, to just uh, say trey young is the guy that we know is going to be here and i think i'm evaluating everyone else in large part on how they fit around his specific strengths and weaknesses i think you got to have a lot of shooting around him to be sure uh I do think that they need to at some point get some more passing so that he can work off the ball. Steph Curry, like he's shot a very good percentage on spot up three pointers 
in his career, but really we haven't seen any part of that game because they've had no one else who really could dribble and pass with him for a, a lot of this time. And so uh, my question to you is, rate their wing guys, which uh, really that's Hunter, Cam Reddish, Kevin Herter. Rate those guys in terms of how well you feel about them as a long-term piece. Uh, I mean, it, going into going into this year, I was more optimistic on Kevin Herter. His his rookie year, I, I was pretty happy with it. You know, he had was shooting the three well, had that thirty eight percent on. I think it was about eight threes per hundred possessions, which is totally fine. Worried a little bit about the two point shooting, and then this year battled injuries, but didn't really to me. He didn't really show a ton of growth, which was concerning. You know, he could do a little bit with the ball in his hands, but needs to, some of that might have been just dealing with an injury and everything else. But I actually partially because of positional scarcity and everything else, I think I'm going to go Cam Reddish number one. I liked Reddish's defensive his defensive chops a little bit towards the end of the season. He is. It looked so bad in the beginning, and the whole thing counts. You know, this is something Kevin Pelton's done some good work on before. That you know, like just because a player has, like a rookie has a bad start to the season and a good end, doesn't mean you just focus on the good end, and ignore the beginning. But Reddish ended up shooting 33% from three on the year. Actually, a higher amount of attempts per hundred possessions than Hunter, who we had more confidence in his jump shot. Hunter did shoot 36%. And I, I think part of it also for me was that I liked the film defensively better on Reddish than Hunter. So I think I'm going to go Reddish, Hunter, Herder, but it is close. Yeah, and one thing to note here too is that with John Collins now playing the four, you're pushing everyone else down the positional right. spectrum. I think that Hunter, to me, he really should be a four, but you need a, a really good defensive center next to him because he's not really a great rebounder he's not that athletic at least in terms of you know what he really does out there on the floor you know if you just have him stand under the basket and jump as high as he can it looks pretty good but he doesn't do that much athletically another thing that i think they and so you know reddish to me is more of a pure three he's got more ball handling skills more ability to pull up off the dribble but it is really an interesting question i mean maybe you can say Hunter can play some four off the bench. He can play some three off the bench at times. Then Herter is your two. Reddish is your three. You're still probably not good enough defensively in the long term. Uh, but there are some players in this draft that they might look at, uh, you know, depending, of course, uh, on where they end up falling. It's uh, We talked about it many times, though. though. I, I think the next thing to turn to is what they should do with that cap space that they have as of now, where we think the cap is around $47 million. That's, that's another aspect to throw in there. And the whole still, despite all these young guys we're talking about, remains on the wing and then a backup point guard to me are, are the two that stick out the most where they need improvement. And unfortunately for the Hawks... This is not a great. This is not a great time to need lead wings. It, it you know complementary players. I think because of how few teams have cap space, the Mo Harklesses of the world might end up being available if whoever Travis Schlenk think, thinks fits. Harkless in particular might not be a great one just because they have more guys on the bigger side rather than on the smaller side. It is a it is a real challenge. There aren't that many guys that I like for them that are also available. You know, I would be intrigued by Malik Beasley. I think that having, you know, having another guy who could be a capable scorer he had some obviously had some big performances in minnesota i liked beasley how he looked in 18 19 as well for the nuggets so but i don't think that you're going to get him away from minnesota very easily so i think that's a big problem and i think the other the other challenge is timing if for focusing on wings yeah if there were 
unabashed, yeah, this player is really good yeah. and they fit your but, timeline. Well, can, can I break in here for you? Of course. Let me ask you this. Are there any players on the market this year that you would offer a four-year contract to at whatever you would think of as market rate for a starter, you know, in the 15, 15 to 20 million a year for four years? Are there any players that you think are a good enough fit with this Hawks team on the market this summer that you would make that offer? I think Fournier, he's I th- he's just a good enough player. And Fournier, uh, he'll be 28 this summer, so that's fine. Um, they're uh, restricted guys, but you're not going to get them. I mean, Brandon Ingram, yeah, I would pay Brandon Ingram starter money, obviously, but they're not going to get him. Beasley, I would give, that's right around the upper end of the range of what I would consider giving him, and I'm higher on Beasley, I think, than, than the average person. But... I mean, Gallo is a is a challenging, I would say, bad fit with this group because of his age and and the some of the positional scarcity. I, I mean, you don't need exactly what he brings, even though I think Gallo would obviously help them because he's a good basketball player. But no, there aren't a ton of really guys. Is there anybody that you're targeting? Oof. Yeah, it's clearly the three and D type of player. I mean, the beauty of those sort of players is you can stack them up a little bit with yes. other players that where you don't have to be like, oh, we have a, a guy on the wing already. You can always use more. Boston yeah. is the is the example here. Like you can yeah. just just add guys as long as they're good, you'll make it work. So Gordon Hayward is going to make $34 million in his player option this year. By the way, as a quick aside, I think another reason that we may see players opt in more is not even just due to the uncertainty, but also because you've got these new anti-tampering rules, and now you can't meet in person somewhere to have a conversation. And so I, one thing that I had heard from an agent is that there's just more reluctance among teams to have any kind of conversations even preliminarily about free agency because now there's this chance that you your phone records and your messages could be essentially subpoenaed by the league and so there's a thought that if you meet in person then you can just have a conversation about anything and no one will ever know the content and you can kind of get around it that way but probably not going to be any in-person meetings at all you know at places like say the combine which is just not going to happen and so players may be all the more likely to just opt in this is just yet another factor in terms of in addition to teams not having money and and general risk aversion and yeah exactly and those players also not really being that good (laughs) in a lot of cases but hayward is going to be 30 this offseason i think he does bring some things for them but i don't know that i would want to offer him a long-term deal at enough money to where he would opt out of that 34 million right and it's you know a similar story with somebody like Otto porter who if he were healthy would would be a a fit to just add to the wing mass but he's not gonna opt out for for similar reasons i mean even stronger for porter considering his his stuff than hayward which is you know something but um what about i I mean i think you would maybe want to evaluate the trade market for collins but what about a davis bertans and just say hey we're gonna just like go full wizards and just say we don't care about defense well not full wizards because you still got capella you got deadman you hopefully have uh, you know and then you go with bertans then maybe you could play maybe you could play hunter at the three and reddish at the two at times bring in another good defensive wing in the draft bertans wouldn't use up all that 47 million uh that's a thought any other just kind of but you know Bertans and Trey Young, not an amazing fit. But uh, you you wouldn't have to worry about teams like double teaming Trey Young as much on the pick and roll anymore because uh, he, he could take advantage of that. Anyone else who really? Uh, what about the point guard position? 
they could probably get a higher quality point guard at a reasonable price. I mean, if they could pull DJ Augustine for a short-term contract, even if you give him more money yeah. than other teams would, just to, just to have somebody who's been a been a capable starter recently, I, I would like him there. They had Jeff Teague. If if Teague can't find something he likes somewhere else, I'm totally fine with that. Um, Nate, what Nate, about uh, what about Chris Dunn in restricted free agency? He's 26 already. Yeah, he's 26, but also, and, and I do like Dunn because he forced, he, you know, the ability to force turnovers could be an interesting combination. He can defend to me both guard positions to pair him with, yeah. with Trey, but he's so limited offensively that I think you would end up scuttling yeah. some of what they do well. Yeah, I mean, ideally you would get someone who had the size to play next to Trey oh, and a I for- little bit. I forgot to mention when we were rattling when I was rattling off restricted free agents who aren't gonna go to who aren't gonna be available functionally for Atlanta, Bogdan Bogdanovich would also be a logical fit, except he's not functionally available. Well, I mean I'm sure they could pay him enough. I just don't <laughs> know if they would if they would want to do it. But he is younger than a lot of these guys. Yeah. Um what about Jordan Clarkson here? If you can get, I, I so I don't like him playing with Trey Young. I think that those guys duplicate. But having somebody who can help run the show, if they don't want Kevin Herter to do it when when Trey Young is out, whether that's sitting or hurt, yeah, Clarkson Clarkson's I, not terrible. I mean, they still do need. I realize Clarkson's a little bit of a gunner, but and he's not really a point guard. But they haven't really had anyone who can create their own shot off the dribble other than Trey in these last two years. And, like, you need to have someone someone else who can do that, even in the starting lineup. Or, or maybe even, like, an Alec Burks would be uh, you know, a cheaper version of that. Uh, both those guys actually are 28, interestingly enough. Yeah, and I think that's part of what they were maybe intending to do with Jabari Parker. But Jabari Parker, that didn't work out too well. Yeah, Parker was really used almost entirely as a play finisher yeah. there. Yeah. Um, do you think? You know, oh, here, yeah. here's one to throw at you. Do you think they should throw a meaningful offer at Melton? <sighs> yeah, that's what the, I mean, the beauty of their situation is they can be in a place with restricted free agents where it's not the end of the world if they have to tie up some of their money. Right. Same thing with Wancho. Like I could see them you just getting an offer that they're happy with and saying this is probably going to be the best thing you can get, and if Minnesota matches, so be it. Derek Jones Jr. I, I would like for them also just to get some athleticism, you know, play him more as a four, especially off the bench. Maybe with Deadman, have him be the role guy. Uh, I, I'm going to end up liking Jones Jr. for a lot of teams just to have a just. I, I mean, they need some real other than Collins. They don't really have anyone who could finish. Capella will provide that too. Um, so I don't know. There's there are some options. None of them. I think our our ultimate consensus though is a four year, eighty million dollar offer. Who would you make that to? Is I'm not sure that there is someone necessarily, and maybe you go the one year deal and you try to get a lot better anyway, and then you uh, you roll the space over to 2021. Maybe you get non guarantees to kind of go Nick style, but hopefully with players who actually fit what you're doing a little bit. And as we, the, yeah, sorry, yeah, and as the ahead. as the long term market dries up because their lack of cap space and everything else, I think this is a year where both players and teams are going to pull the same direction on short contracts. We saw that back in 2015 and i think we're going to see it again here because players want to get back out in 2021 when teams have more money and teams don't want to commit long term so i and the hawks might end up seeing some value you know maybe not at the wing just because they're this the scarcity issue but I, i wonder if there will be value we just don't know who that's going to be just yet okay let's take a quick break and we will talk about the rest of the southeast division all right, uh, where are we going next, Captain? Miami. Uh, Miami, so the the way I think of their kind of top-tier core is is Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. I think that those two, you know, Bam is 
their best long-term piece. Jimmy is their best player at the moment. And they fit, to me, those guys fit together pretty well. I mean, the, they, the, way, the way that they, you know, can help be parts of a successful defense. Jimmy can handle the ball and, and create even though he can't shoot. And and Bam's role within my, what Miami's done offensively is pretty, is pretty fun with the handoffs and everything else. And they have a lot of other guys that I like. You know, the, the Heat development system has done a really good job with Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Hero. And but I don't think anybody reaches that level. I think it's kind of like the Hawks where you have those two guys and then you have a lot of other pieces that you like but aren't essential. Yeah, and it's really, it's going to be interesting to see what they want to do with Jones Jr., who we just talked about in the Hawks section. They will have bird rights on him, but and he has a very small cap hold. But they also may be loath to dip into that 2021 space. Just to give you an idea of their numbers. They actually have 27 million in space, assuming that Kelly Olynyk opts into his 13 million, which seems uh, fait accompli at this point. And then 48 million in the summer of 2021. That would include, however, a cap hold for Bam Adebayo of only 15 million. If he were to get a max contract at our current numbers vaporize another 15 million off of that and then they've only got 33 million the seven to nine year max is supposed to be 36 million that year and they really wouldn't have a way to cut any further salary in fact you can you can cut down a little bit more of that money i gotta just throw duncan robinson and kendrick dunn's cap holds in there as well so now they're 46 million or so in space so it, it seems unlikely you're gonna extend out of bio you probably have to say hey yes we will give you whatever you want you know kind of andre drummond style Kawhi leonard style that could end up maybe costing them a player option uh, if they don't extend him this summer but that is their really their only way to max space in that summer of 2021 so that just gives you a little bit of an idea of what their overall books look like and you would think why even if they do use some of that 27 million in space this year that they would do it in a way that's not going to impact the 2021 offseason yeah especially because even though 2021 the top level free agents are overwhelmingly in good situations and a lot of them are in major markets already miami has a track record here they've they've done it before and they're really really well-run organization and the other important sales pitch that miami has which a lot of teams that are starry-eyed about 2021 do not is they can capably sell team players that they'll join a good team and they don't have to move move the things that are important in order to keep them you know butler Adebayo, hero robinson nunn they can still have all of those guys on the team and sign a max player so that is a big you know it doesn't guarantee anything i mean remember they went after gordon hayward in 2017 they're you know it, it riley did has done it before no notably of course in 2010 but where I wanted to kind of where I wanted to take this well, with you, yeah. It's, it's, let's just talk about who are going to be free agents in the summer of twenty twenty one real quickly, but before we change topics, so Kawhi probably can cross off LeBron, Paul George, all those guys have player options. Victor Oladipo, Giannis, Paul George. Did you mention him? Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, and Drew Holiday will have a player option. Those are probably your big options, and and, and potentially Gobert, but not for them. Yeah, that would that wouldn't make much sense. Um, I fully expect that about it to be better than him by that. Point and uh, Gobert will be 29 then uh I mean if you had to just ballpark it right now if we're talking as the heat internally here we haven't heard anything one way or another about a player being interested in coming what would you say the chances are that they get a player with that uh, that's actually worthy of giving a max contract to in the summer of 2021 15 percent 15 you said one yeah, five one five yeah 
that seems about right to me it, it really does it just i mean there's only cross off lebron so you've really got three guys and maybe a fourth if you want to say that oladipo is back to that level which he's probably i would say he's probably not going to be yeah and, and, and uh, we could also mention 31. there's an outside outside chance for ad he could do a one plus one this summer but i don't i think he's gonna do a two plus yeah. one person and, and i'm sure by the way they'll at least try to make an offer to ad this summer too which they could do pretty easily by stretching a linux but uh he seems pretty happy in la so yeah it's uh i my thought would be i guess the next question is is there anyone that they could sign at this summer that you think would really put them in the mix for title contention because the other thing to remember is that the clock is ticking a little bit on jimmy butler right now yeah that's a great point this was the jimmy butler's age 30 season so next year will be his age 31 and i don't think his game is going to age particularly well i mean we've already seen some downgrades defensively and then you know shooters generally age better than non-shooters the strength game and all that it can it can like he's he's gotten a lot better but it can it can be a a limitation they're interested in gallinari before you know at the trade deadline it kind of speaks to me a little bit something so i was for for people people who don't recall by the way since it's been a while now uh the reporting was that they actually had a deal to get him from okc but he did not agree to an extension which was probably was along the same lines of what they wanted with iguodala right about the same as what he was making and then a team option or a non-guarantee for the next year and they could have offered him a pretty big extension um well and and why was I mean, Gallo is not perfect, but when I, part of the idea when I wrote the template for these Battle Plan podcasts is like basically kind of like what makes sense around that core. And with Bam and Jimmy, they could go to a more switching system. It would just so happen that a lot of the other players they had in the big range weren't really that. You know, there were Myers Leonard and Kelly Olynyk, and, and they could theoretically retool that rotation to make it a little bit more versatile defensively. Not that Gallo is the most versatile guy in the world and still retain the shooting because you need a lot of shooting around Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. Yeah, I think you're right. Would for, uh, I like I like Fournier for them conceptually. I mean, I guy who can handle the ball, who can shoot it respectably, be a be a cog in the machine. Yeah, I mean they already got Duncan Robinson and Hero though. Is he really that much of an upgrade on those guys? Well, I think you might play him alongside some of those guys. The problem. Yeah, I, I think I don't think they would consider that. I, I probably wouldn't either having those guys already. Well, and the other problem is then is he worth dipping into your 2021 space? And I think that's that's the no. That's the stopping point for me. Yeah. No, I, I'm in agreement there. What would you think about Van Vliet? Yeah, they've kind of gone with a hodgepodge at point guard, none. Dragic, Dragic will be a free agent. You would think there might be some possibility of bringing him back. I thought he played well this year. He just can't play that many minutes anymore. He's 34. It, 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 that would be a very interesting move because presumably the reason Toronto wouldn't want to match an offer for Van Vliet, not that he's restricted, but you'd think Van Vliet would want to say there. The, presumably the reason that Toronto wouldn't want to match that offer is because of their own 2021 plans and Miami would in effect be punting on their 2021 plans to go after Van Vliet. I mean, Van Vliet I think would be a good fit there. He's a, a Miami type of player and I think a good fit next to Butler, tough defender. So that's a thought, but yeah, again, if you're going into you know, a four-year deal for him at $20 million a year or something like that, that's probably what you think it would take along those lines. This, this just seems like an organization that 
is aiming a little higher than that to me the other thing to keep in mind too we haven't talked about this at all is i think despite there being out some draft picks going forward i think they're in a pretty good position to make a trade for maybe if not a star a a second tier guy because they've got none they've got duncan robinson they've got hero and those are to me are pretty good assets who are, are making low salaries and Iguodala and Olenek could work as salary ballast. You know, both those guys don't have any money extending beyond 21. Yeah, that seems more like a trade deadline 2021 type of move. Agreed. And by that point, they might have a better idea of who could theoretically, like of those like five guys we were talking about, who might actually be interested. Or if none of them are interested and then just going going more aggressively and then you still have the, you would get that theoretical addition for the 21 playoffs as well. Yeah, a lot's going to depend too, just on how well they play in these playoffs or if there is not a playoffs uh, this year because you know if they were to just lose in the first round and it's like yeah I guess we were kind of this 45 win losing the first round type of team all along then that changes things a lot to hey we made it to the second round and we lost in seven or maybe we even made it to the east finals and now it's worth really pushing our chips in for next year to try and make it a conference finals run anything else stick out to you about these guys they do have a lot of directions they could go yeah and sure. I, I have a, i have a question in here about like do they, should they move guys for players who better fit their timeline and it's something i really like about the way miami develops talent is that i think they can kind of do both at the same time you know they could sure they could move tyler hero or somebody else in a win now type of move but i don't think they have to and i think hero fits in well there and the, they don't have to consolidate the timelines just yet the real to me the real challenge could be if if it looks like Jimmy Butler is aging out and then they want to try to retool because I, I think you know we don't know how long Riley wants to run the show there but that next transition might be might be a challenging one Butler has has a player option in 22-23 that he, I think he's going to pick up so that I think that one might be where they have to actually make these tough decisions whereas now they can just see what's out there aggressively you know comb the market but only but act from a position of strength because they're a good team right now all right we good on them yeah let's go to a faster one let's uh let's take a quick break here first that too okay the washington wizards are in in a different spot remember i mean bradley beal is that was their by far their best player last year will be their best player next in 20 slash 21 but not their most expensive that's john wall's purview he's over 40 million a year for the next three seasons after this one and when I first thought about the Wizards, my first thought was, well, Beal, as good as he is, especially when you consider the weakness of the team around him and their lack of defense and everything else like that, like, well, we should be thinking more about their long-term core, you know, like who, who could be a part of it. But then my answer was their core is Bradley Beal and to a lesser extent John Wall because I don't believe in any of their young players enough to include them in this conversation. Yeah, and it seems like the plan is to retain Bertans. We can talk a little bit more about like what would be, when are you going to blanch at actually re-signing him? It would be 27. You know, it's it, this is a team where Bradley Beal, we talked about this, he was on Zach Lowe's podcast, where he seems to think he really likes being in Washington. That's at least what his public comments have been. He signed the extension, so he backed that up a little bit. His That extension, he doesn't come off the books until the summer of 2022 now and has a $37 million player option for the following year. So his timeline matches up with Wall, except that he might actually realistically opt out in the summer of 2022, which Wall is not going to. And I, I guess the thought to me plan-wise is 
try to re-sign Bertans on a contract that's not too atrocious. So if you wanted to move him, you still could get some decent value. And then give it a go with Wall, see where he's at after having taken an entire season off, see where Beal is. Well, so I have a question for you. Yeah. Let's. It, it, I, I, yeah. I agree with you that it seems like Tommy Shepard's plan is to re-sign Bertans because if it wasn't, they should have traded Bertans at the deadline. But do, is there a vision to play Bertans and Hashimura together in the starting lineup? Yeah, that's a good question. Fred Katz has been talking about that. And maybe they view Bertans as kind of a super sub. A lot of these teams like to just start rookies, even if they may not kind of deserve it, like the Harrison Barnes thing early on in his career where, yeah, he might not be the best option there, but you might as well like start him just so it looks like he's still developing, even if he isn't necessarily, and, and still give him some confidence, like throw some currency his way, and then you know, Bertans would be the guy closing. I mean, but I mean, to me, yeah. if you're if, if part of the idea is competing with Wall and Beal, having Bertans shooting in the starting lineup would make a big difference. No, I I agree with you. I think they do want to have this culture of development. They've also got Troy Brown. I'm not sure what you do with him. They still uh, they don't really have a long term option. The three they don't have anyone on this roster. Like when we did our small forward rankings, not a single wizard appeared on the list because they don't have a player on this roster who's an actual small forward right now. And they they have players that are, you know, vaguely interesting. Mo Wagner, this next year will be his age 23 season. Hashimura, 22. Troy Brown, 21. Thomas Bryant, 23. But the holes they need to fill are incredibly hard to fill. Well, one that I think they need to fill is just a, a better defensive option at center. Yes. That, I think, is re- is realistic, right? Who, who's out there this summer for that? that that's probably, I mean, you go there or you go with the stopgap option with your mid-level. Though They should have a reasonable amount of space there um i mean they could end up being a hassan whiteside destination it wouldn't shock me this is hilarious he would be a massive upgrade defensively absolutely <laughs> uh tristan thompson aaron baines baines would be fun actually uh, i would I yeah I, I mean i guess they still i i assume feel that mo wagner and bryant should get time so baines maybe could just be in the mix there yeah tristan thompson i think it's the same similar story right mason Plumley, yeah could be someone that they could look at there are some options out there many of whom i think would be a pretty big defensive upgrade you remember dwight howard's uh, awesome wizards career maybe maybe they could bring him back well, I mean, and then on the wing market, I thought about a return of Trevor Reza as well, if the Blazers end up deciding to let him go instead of that partial guarantee. <laughs> yeah, so so that may be the type of guy. And, and I guess you're not going to have the luxury of knowing how Walls looked. He was practicing with the G League team. Maybe they have, have a look there, but it's hard to know w- whether he's going to be really at like a high level and the reality is if he's not maybe he's not all-star level but if he's not giving you quality starting point guard play you're just doa uh, and as far as like really competing for the playoffs maybe you could sneak into the eighth seed because the east is so miserable and that that uh it's been a goal of theirs before certainly uh and with ted leonsis still in charge probably is going to be again the, the idea of making the playoffs uh, um by the way, this is, I wonder, this is a quick aside, that maybe part of the reason the West stays good is because you can't delude yourself into chasing the eight seed in the West with a crappy team well, the, because the, the bar is just too high. The other part of that that people pointed to before is that you know you're out of the playoffs faster, so it makes it easier in terms of tanking. So that, or like, you know, you know you're out, so then you retooling all that. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I agree with that. Yeah. I think it makes sense. Uh, on the other hand, uh, the West just doesn't have as many bad organizations. Yeah, better, better run better run teams 
and their their major market teams turned it around faster than the Easts did. So that's that's a pretty significant change moving moving forward. Yeah, and the and the Wizards. I, I, this isn't the off season preview, but I, my instinct is that they'll that they'll use their biggest team building tool, which would be the the mid level exception, however much of it they want to use on on a wing. Gr three would actually make some sense there. Um, I I I would yeah. I, you know reasonable could fit in with what they want to do, and and there are there are players who can who can fit that bill more as a stopgap like you're not going to find a star or anything like that it's just going to be who wants who wants to play for the wizards instead of some of the other options where do they fit in the pecking order for guys who have one of the weird dynamics that i want to write about at some point this year is there are going to be a lot of players who have very similar offers with multiple teams and which spot they choose is going to be important because then different teams are going to prioritize these guys different orders but still you know you're number one it's kind of like the medical school stuff like who's number one squares up with each other is going to is going to rule the day in a lot of these circumstances and then other guys are going to have to see what's left but yeah I, I think that the what the wizards i mean the other key question for them for this for the upcoming season and the remainder of this season should there be one is who steps up who who becomes a part of their planning because i don't think brown and hachimura and wagner and thomas bryant to an extent is but i don't i don't think they're those are the guys but there's plenty of opportunity for any of those players to become a part of this and make life easier for tommy shepherd if they're good enough yeah and i think it's important to remember that they had this feel-good story in some ways hachimura had some good games etc but if you really look at their where those guys fit in the hierarchy and like yeah they, they've made some progress and it, you, like if they're progressing you feel like it's good but it, as you sit back are you really like man like these guys are just you know centerpiece high-end starters someday you know, it, it's hard for me to see that with them at this point let's talk about the finances briefly they without Bertans as of now they are 31 million dollars below the tax also worth noting they've been over the tax a, a couple of years i don't see them going over again see how much money they're willing to spend they're one of the lower revenue franchises in the league so you know maybe this might be a thing where they're not even willing to go that close to the tax well, let's pretend that that's a, a de facto cap for them right now Bertans, hard to see him coming back for less than 15 million a year do you agree with me on that I do. Okay, so now you've got basically about 19 million. No, I'm sorry. You, you got about 16 million below the tax. That also throws in their draft pick. But then pretty much everyone is under contract for the long term. You're right about the same level the year after that and then you throw in another draft pick as well and you really don't have a lot of room so they they it seems like i you know uh, just throwing a full mid-level exception four-year deal at somebody this summer you can't necessarily go ahead and do that you're gonna have financial constraints going forward these next couple of years because everybody and especially if there's a drop in the cap uh, or the projected cap over the years then they're gonna be feeling the the crunch and that's because they have 78 million dollars in the 21-22 season tied up in Bradley Beal and John Wall yeah it, it is a real challenge but I would encourage Shepard if there's a player obviously that's worth it to spend to spend the mid-level this year because a you get that player for 21 for 20 slash 21 and because your money is going to go further this year than it will in other years due to the lack of teams that can offer more so the Wizards 
as a team that could theoretically offer a starting small forward spot that and you know and basically everybody's offering similar amounts of money i think i think they could they could get something of real value rather than offering the same basic exception in 21 when there's a lot of money out there in the market players are going to be looking at other places now I mean, we haven't even discussed the idea of trading bradley peel if we were in charge i would have i would be looking at every possible yeah. opportunity if, if we were in charge him. they would have done that in 2019 when yes. paul george when they got when the thunder got an absolute mint for paul george yeah and so it, it really just seems because you've got this wall albatross anyway i maybe there you could just say beal could get so good that he's bringing us into being you know a, a top four seed with some pieces around him but again they're so limited in terms of those pieces and they have outside of beal you say maybe wall comes back maybe Bertans gives you like another decent starter but you still don't have anything at the three or the five or a defense yes that is that is certainly and so i just don't think it's where this team is going like you you just you don't have any kind of a path forward unless your goal as an organization is to win 45 games like and this is one of those things where it's like yeah if everything goes right you'll win 45 games it's not like oh yeah we're a consistent playoff team every year and i mean that's part of the problem too of this chase the eighth seed mentality is it's like you're not there yet you're trying to get there but you're not giving yourself the upside as an organization and then many times you're not even going to get to the ac we saw that with charlotte for example over the last four years speaking of teams that are targeting around 45 wins the Orlando magic uh the magic figuring out to me figuring out their core is a challenge because i i think their best player long term is jonathan isaac but i don't particularly love jonathan isaac's fit with the other players that they've committed to play to paying a long time like I, isaac and vooch can work you know like that that you know play isaac more as the power forward defensively and then vooch can space the floor offensively but then when you combine that also with aaron gordon then it then you have another another guy who i don't really trust completely as a shooter and the defense can work i mean we've seen we've definitely seen that happen in the past most notably when they were i think number two in defense from new year's on in the 1819 season but you're asking a lot if you're one and you're two in those circumstances it's hard for the magic to improve so i'll, I'll throw it to you what do you think of as, as orlando's core right now uh they're 2023 first round pick and yikes um no uh yeah it's really this is another team that i would not want to be inheriting this situation because there's a feeling of like man we've gone through so much pain and we had one playoff appearance we're gonna have another one this year but get completely housed in the first round once more and I mean, would keeping this group together even necessarily lead to improvement? Like, I'm not even sure about that with Vooch on the downswing, Augustine, a free agent, Fournier, not sure if he would come back or not. Terrence Ross is on the downswing. Gordon seems like relatively maxed out at this point. You know, he hasn't really gotten much better over these last couple of years. I maybe Mo, there's still some chance that Mo Bamba could turn into just like a total monster, but that seems far-fetched. Um, well, and, and, yeah, and so, but, so, so let's talk about it purely in the abstract. So, so let's focus on court, and then I want to get to their financial. Yeah, business. sorry, I mean, I, I didn't answer your question in any way. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I kind of did. But I, I mean, uh, you know, they have young players like Fult. I mean, it's Fultz, Isaac. I mean, I guess that's another way is that maybe Fultz just takes another massive step forward with the jump shot, and it can start to become like the real lead ball handler uh, that they're they're going to as, as the main guy creating offense on this team maybe that's the other way it comes through but that's again far-fetched 
Yeah, so so where I was going for with this is is the challenge of Orlando's books. Vooch, 26 million, 24 million, 22 million after this year. Gordon has two more years again descending, and then Terrence Ross has three. And their challenges, while Orlando there only has, I mean, it would have been DJ Augustine, but now he fell behind Fultz in the rotation. They only have Evan Fournier up this year, assuming he opts out of that 17.2 million. Then in 22, both Fultz and Isaac are either restricted free agents or on new deals via extension. And then Bamba, theoretically, if he's worth it, is is in the same situation a year behind them, the same year that Aaron Gordon is potentially an unrestricted free agent. So they never get this respite. It just keeps on rolling, and they're, they're not going to have any flexibility. So... They also, and then the other challenge is the veterans that they chose to pay in the summer of 2019, Vooch and Terrence Ross, I don't think either of us would say that they're on value contracts, so they can't really retool through moving, they they could move those guys, but they're not getting, you know, positive value for it. So I think they're just, whatever we identify their core as, it's hard for me to think of other than theoretically an Aaron Gordon trade or an Isaac trade, a way to fundamentally transform this team. I think I would try to give up on Vucevic if I could, even though he's been essential to what they've done. He also holds them prisoner in some ways. And what what would your, what would your intention be for him? Would it be cap or salary relief would it be a player at a different position who makes more sense like what 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 would what would you be thinking there just trying trying to change up the identity uh also just because i think he's on the downswing so it'd be partially salary relief i don't think you could really get much for him even though he does have that declining contract starts at it's started 28 million this year goes down to 22 in the 22 23 the first call is to sacramento right i mean kind of has to be (laughs) yeah they uh it does seem that way um so so who knows maybe maybe you could pawn him off and it, maybe the the price is is too exorbitant to do that but just to, to either find another center who's more athletic go with more of a switchable group even play isaac at center some that could could help you get past on the lack of shooting but still give you and just try to say we're gonna become so good defensively and then just figure out a way to get it together offensively maybe that's one approach the other approach is just all right we're gonna kind of take a step back here we'll move gordon we'll move vucevic and you know maybe gordon and vucevic could be moved together even you let fournier go ross try and move him and then uh try to retool with just fultz isaac and bamba and more uh chumo keiki and try to build around them build an uber athletic group there all these ideas suck don't they (laughs) I, I mean, I, I, I'm brainstorming, and uh, it's really more of a brain drizzle <laughs> at this point. As the the Magic have players that I like. It, it it's just that they're so penned in that it gets hard to it gets hard to really create something out of whole cloth with them and. And also, what they need, this was something I brought up with the Wizards, it's like the holes they need to fill are hard hard holes to fill. And Orlando, if you assume they're not going to have more than the mid-level exception for a couple years, they need to add a ideally a versatile wing, and it's maybe two if they're losing Fournier at some point in this process, and... Good luck with that. I mean, if the, if if that's all you have, and that is assuming that Marco Fultz is the answer at the one, which I'm not convinced of at the moment. I don't think they can extend him at anything other than an extremely team friendly number because there's so much variance. And I mean, he just with the early path in his career. And 
Isaac, maybe you do. Maybe you can come to some sort of agreement. But with his injury history, I think you probably just roll the dice and go into restricted free agency with both those dudes. Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing that he is extension eligible already. Isn't it? Isn't it? I okay, mean, so, we, you and so, I both thought that they should that that Marco Fultz was going to get his fourth year option decline too. So twenty seconds. What's your plan? See if there's a market for Vooch. Probably end up trading Aaron Gordon, assuming you can get some positive value there. Ideally, tr- ideally trade Vooch and then see see if you can get wings guys you can shoot and ideally another option at the one yeah i think ultimately you would just want to be punting on this edition of the team and try to you've got enough pieces here that i think if you could just get that one on ball star you might be cooking a little bit but they just they're, they're gonna have to go through a more pain i think and when and when you're competing that. for the playoffs, it's so hard to get that guy because you're also not going to do it through the draft. Yeah, maybe they could look even at if there's a point guard they like in this draft, maybe trading up a little bit. That's something that I, I'm not sure would be out there yet. Um, and I, I haven't looked at all those players either to, to say who that would be. Uh, Charlotte's? To me, this is somewhat similar to, we talked about a little bit with with the Wizards and maybe the Hawks as well. We're like, I like Devontae Graham. I'm not sold on him being like a, an above average point guard or anything even close to that level yet but I like some of their young guys but they aren't really at that same level yet you know I've liked the early the early stuff with PJ Washington still a little bit intrigued by Miles Bridges though I was discouraged by the season he had or we've discussed Terry Rozier more than a few times on the show we don't know what the hell is happening with Malik Runk remember when that was a big thing that was happening in the basketball world um yeah and yeah he's he's suspended yeah and so I the benefit of being where Charlotte is, I actually have a piece about the Hornets that's coming out for the Athletic either on probably Thursday or Friday. And the benefit of being where they are is that I think they can just, you know, they have some cap space this summer, just go after basically anybody who, who they think is going to be good, both in the draft and free agency, because I wouldn't worry about overstepping or like overlapping any of their players. Yeah, that's really what it boils down to is there's just really, it's best player available. Nobody on this team to me has proven enough to be a foundational player. Maybe you could say that Graham or PJ Washington might become starters. Monk was starting to show enough where, I mean, he's not going to get an extension now where there's some reason for optimism. Maybe, let's note this is his third year as well. You know, it's not like he was showing signs early. Maybe there might be a low-level value trade for Cody Zeller to pick up a guy who's slightly worse than him and maybe get a second-round pick or something like that for from a team that wants a center and has a, some bad salary. They do have $27 million in cap space, and I think the restricted free agent game, just getting some overall some more athleticism, which they're really low on, try to pick up a, a long-term center. But they're really, I mean, they got to just keep doing the rebuilding playlist here right now. I mean, there's not that much more to say about them they don't have particularly sexy assets maybe there would be a trade for Nikola Batum where since they are unlikely to be a player in 2021 free agency where just to give some team salary relief for the summer of 2021 they could trade him during next season and grab someone who looks like they might be a bad contract going forward and they could do the same with Zeller yeah yeah they do have that that salary even rosier could be a part of a, a deal like that i i you have chafed at this but i thought he still could be a a valuable third guard on a playoff team and he makes too much for that but he still could be more valuable than someone else who's making 19 million who gives you nothing very true so that, that would be where i'd be going right now i think yeah i think i think the 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 rebuilding team playbook is and remember, Charlotte, we we both thought they should have been there long before now, but hopefully they make the right decisions and embrace it because they're not they're not close. 
And remember that they outperformed their point differential by one of the largest margins. Hashtag Hornets over, baby. But it's they just need they need to get so much better. And I hope that MJ and Kupchak and everybody else could could see that. You know, there are positives here, and and like I, you know, I liked some of what Cody Martin did, and there there are some interesting potential role players like Jalen McDaniels and in their like in in their system already, but. And, and that, but they don't really have the guys to slot above them yet. So that's going to take a little bit of time, and that's a challenge because Devonte Graham's going to be on a new contract in 2021. He's theoretically extension eligible this summer. Doing so would vaporize cap space. Not that that necessarily matters. Uh, and then, but it's just even if even if Devonte Graham takes another step forward, which I hope that he does, they still just need so much. All right, I think we're we're good on them. A- anything else you want to talk about before we go? No, uh, I will hopefully. Have- have a new real jam radio out on thursday so you can take a listen for that and new pieces i have a bunch in the works for the athletic including the recently mentioned hornets one that should be coming out pretty soon so watch my twitter watch check out theathletic.com slash cap space and you can see my work and of course the great work all my colleagues are doing right now yeah and a reminder if you're going to listen to COVID daily news after this it is now on its own feed so please subscribe to that you can search nate duncan in your podcast player you can search COVID daily news in your podcast player one of those should get it for you so please subscribe give us uh, some feedback a recommendation uh, tell your friends uh, about it and And we'll be back tomorrow to close out the week. Talk to you all then.